the sanctuary, all the really saved people, and then those of you who are out in the, ah, I got a little reaction to that, huh? That's so they're booing and hissing in the courtyard. And of course, uh, welcome to all of you that are uh, at home and with us in that way uh, this evening. We pick things up in uh, chapter one. Let's turn to the gospel according to Luke, Sunday night through the Bible, uh, Genesis to Revelation. And we got as far as uh, verse 25 of chapter one last week. And uh, we leave off following uh, Gabriel's announcement to Zechariah, uh, one of the priests concerning uh, the birth of a son. Uh, who would be named John and become known as John the Baptist. I prefer John the Baptizer to his name, otherwise people think he's denominational. Uh, he isn't, he's named John the Baptist because of his ministry of baptism. And, uh, and then uh, that he would have a child and then the uh, uh, pregnancy of Elizabeth, his wife, as, as was recorded, and she's hidden herself now the five months into her pregnancy awaiting this, this birth that they had prayed for uh, all of their life. And then we come in verse 26 now to the uh, coming birth of Jesus, the Messiah, and this, the, uh, this announcement uh, has to be made first to uh, the young woman that God has chosen to bring uh, his Savior, bring Jesus into human history through, and uh, that announcement to Mary. And so in the sixth uh, month, that is the sixth month of uh, Elizabeth's pregnancy, uh, the angel Gabriel, the same angel that had spoken to uh, Zechariah in the holy place of, uh, of, of the temple when offering that incense. So he's, he's busy these days. And he was sent by God and uh, to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. So earlier he was down in Jerusalem. Now he goes up into the northern section of Israel, the city of Nazareth, where uh, Mary is living. And he was sent to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, who was of the house of David, that is of the lineage of David's blood, and the virgin's name was Mary. So we're told that Mary and Joseph were betrothed. They weren't quite married. The betrothal process in the ancient Jewish world was an interesting one. It was kind of today we have an engagement period, and then you get married. And the betrothal period for the Jewish people was something kind of in between those two things. So you wouldn't be technically married, uh, and it covered a period typically of a year before your marriage was, you became officially married and then, and then uh, consummated the marriage. So for that year period, there would be, um, you would each live in your own homes, you would uh, certainly no uh, sexual activity at all, and, um, but that one year period, you'd be getting to know one another and, and deepening your relationship uh, emotionally, intellectually, before you open up the, the physical side of things that causes the development of those things to always uh, be dwarfed uh, uh, once the physical side of things is opened up. And uh, interestingly, uh, concerning the betrothal period, um, nobody could, in order to, to 
disengage from the betrothal with the person you were betrothed to required uh, a writing of divorcement for that to happen. So by the time we're talking about Joseph and Mary here being betrothed, this is a very serious commitment that they have uh, with with one another. And so she is betrothed uh, to him. Both of them are descendants. Their bloodline of David, the bloodline of, uh, of Messiah. And most significantly, uh, her, but Joseph's bloodline is mentioned as well because it was his bloodline that required supremely as, as the husband uh, that they would end up in Bethlehem uh, uh, in order for Jesus to be born there. So here's this betrothal, the relationship between Joseph and Mary, and then having come in uh, to wherever uh, Mary was kind of abiding or present at that time, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. Uh, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And so this was uh, uh, something uh, to have her, uh, as he comes to her in this way and, and uh, describes her as the Lord is with her. Blessed are you among women. She is a, uh, probably, you know, no more than 16 years old and in the, in the city of Nazareth. And, and all of a sudden an angel shows up and makes this uh, a declaration to you. And uh, her reaction was when she saw him that she was troubled at his saying and uh, considered what manner of greeting uh, this was. And so she reacted with a level of fear because he, the angel is going to tell her not to be afraid in the next verse. But you see a little bit of her personality come out here. Uh, she, uh, she's reserved or she's cautious. She doesn't know quite what to make of this, so she keeps quiet until uh, he reveals what, uh, what it is that is, is happening here. And, uh, and so the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. Ah, he knows my name. Uh, for you have found favor with God. And in other words, nothing to be afraid about here. The message I'm bringing to you is 100% uh, good news. It, it is God's favor is the reason I'm here. And behold, you shall conceive in your womb and, uh, and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. And so we see here uh, that uh, she will conceive, she, she will carry Jesus uh, in her womb. She will give birth to Jesus. Uh, Jesus, we know from the description of him in the scriptures, he, uh, the great mystery uh, of all of it, uh, all God, all man, all at the same time. And so his humanity is spoken of here and that he is a descendant of Mary and, uh, and the necessity of, and, and thus he was called in his public ministry, uh, the son of man so frequently. And there are many reasons for all of this that we don't have time to get into in an overview of things, but um, the necessity of uh, here the, uh, of him being born of, of a woman, being uh, fully uh, man, uh, because if he was fully divine and not fully man, then he couldn't die. And he came into the world to die uh, for the forgiveness of our sins. But he couldn't be um, merely fully man, uh, because if he was fully man, then he'd also be a sinner. And he would need a savior himself and be incapable of providing uh, salvation to us in the same way that a drowning man can't save himself. 
And, and so here the angel goes on and speaks of the, uh, of the fact that he would not only uh, be born of, of Mary, uh, his name would be Jesus, uh, but goes on to say as, as he describes Jesus, Jesus' name means Jehovah is salvation. What an appropriate name. Jesus is the provision, heaven's provision, uh, Jehovah's provision of salvation uh, to mankind. So that Jesus is named uh, from heaven. It is not going to be Mary and Joseph who, who decide that. And then Gabriel begins his description of Jesus. And he will be great. Uh, he has a, a, a gift for understatement, doesn't he? You can't even describe the greatness of Jesus. But how else are you going to put it in a human uh, language? He will be great. And uh, so he is. And he will be called the Son of the Highest. So this speaks of his deity, that he would also be uh, the Son uh, of God. And so, again, uh, he, people sometimes uh, uh, struggle with the fact that Jesus is a fully God, fully man, as he's described in the scriptures. Why was it necessary for him to be uh, the Son uh, of God? Why was it necessary to, for him to be divine? Uh, because uh, it is in his divinity that he is sinless. And, uh, and uh, again, uh, only a, a sinless savior, savior could, could die for sinners. And so he will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. All through the Old Testament, it was declared that when the Messiah came, he would be uh, born into the world. He would be born of a virgin, even as Mary is here and will be all the way through the birth of Jesus. And, um, but that he would also be of the bloodline of David. This is Gabriel's way of saying in the language of heaven that Jesus is coming into the world uh, not only to provide salvation to mankind, but also to, uh, to, to um, uh, as, as uh, the promised Messiah uh, of, of the Old Testament. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And so there in verse 33 uh, takes the, the, the part of Jesus' history that will take place following his second coming, establishing his uh, kingdom age for a thousand years and then on in uh, to eternity. But we are a part of his kingdom and as a result of it, uh, a, a kingdom that will, uh, there, from which there will be uh, no end. And then uh, Mary said to the angel, uh, how can this uh, uh, be since I do not know a man? She was still a virgin. How in the world am I going to have uh, a child here that you're, you're talking about? You notice that her question here as she asks it, she doesn't uh, 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 question she doesn't ask if it will happen. There's no doubt in, in what she's doing here. She simply asks the angel, how can this happen given the fact that, uh, that I am a uh, virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. And this is... Um, the Bible's way, the Holy Spirit's way of describing that Jesus' conception would be a miracle 
of the Holy Spirit. Again, so much mystery that's associated with it, but we take the revelation that we can get related to it. And so uh, this, uh, this conception of Jesus would be a miracle of the Holy Spirit, and therefore also that Holy One, uh, speaking of Jesus, who, uh, who is to be born will be called the Son of God. And, and uh, so we see all of this uh, beauty of, uh, of the deity of Christ and how uh, this uh, fully God, fully man uh, uh, that was so needed in the Messiah and in a Savior was able to come about. Only God uh, could, uh, could uh, provide it. And then, uh, unlike Zacharias, who wanted uh, proof from Gabriel, remember, and made Gabriel a little bit upset, and uh, that, that he, his promise that they were going, he and Elizabeth were going to have a son, he wanted evidence for it. And he said, all right, I'll give you nine months of not being able to speak uh, for, your, uh, for your evidence, as you want, want a miracle. And here is Mary. She doesn't ask for a miracle. She's not doubting at all. She just wants to know how is this going to happen. And, and then here, uh, Gabriel comes in and gives her an encouragement uh, to her faith by letting her know about Elizabeth, uh, her blood relative, and uh, how uh, she had, all, uh, had conceived a son in her old age and that she's now in the sixth month of her pregnancy uh, who was formerly uh, barren. And so apparently Elizabeth is really keeping this pregnant, pregnancy quiet. She's in her sixth month and even her blood family isn't aware of it. They are separated by a distance of probably uh, here they are in Nazareth, Joseph and Mary and, uh, and Zacharias and Elizabeth are probably a little closer to the region of, of Jerusalem. But here the angel uh, makes Mary aware of something she didn't know previously and uh, uh, the pregnancy, the miraculous pregnancy of Elizabeth and then verse 37, the great point that the angel wants to make to Mary in all of this, for with God, nothing will be impossible. So this encouragement to her faith, that here is Zacharias, here is Elizabeth, pregnant now even though they're well stricken in years, and, uh, and God did that, and uh, as amazing and miraculous as the promise I'm giving to you right now, uh, with God nothing will be impossible. A beautiful uh, encouragement to uh, uh, to her faith. And then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your will. And the angel departed uh, from her. And so we here we have in verse 38, this beautiful surrender of Mary to the will of God for her life. And uh, on a trip to Israel, one of the, my favorite uh, things, even though we don't really go into the city of Nazareth. It's the end of kind of a long day, and it's not really conducive to it right now, but we go to an overlook point, look over the city of Nazareth, much larger now than it was in those days, and uh, we read the scripture, look out over the city, and realize that somewhere out in that city, uh, Mary made this surrender to uh, God the Father of her life. And um, I don't, in my personal opinion, 
I don't know that there is a greater surrender at a greater cost in all of the Bible than Mary's surrender to, uh, uh, to God for Him to use her life uh, in this way. I think in my mind, the only surrender that excels it is what Jesus spoke uh, to the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. That is the ultimate uh, surrender. You say, what kind of a surrender? <laughs> what could it cost Mary to surrender to the will of God related to all of this? Remember, she's betrothed. Uh, she's now going to end up pregnant uh, without a physical relationship with Joseph. That, is, in, under the law of Moses, that's punishable by death. Her reputation is going to be dragged through uh, the mud all of her life. All of her life. When Jesus is a grown man, uh, the Jewish religious leaders are going to say, we were not born of fornication. And that's the stigma that they were trying to throw upon Jesus. But that's the stigma that Mary bore all of her life to be willing to say, yes, God, at whatever cost obeying your will upon, uh, call upon my life uh, will require, I surrender to it. And uh, to say nothing of the day that she would have to stand at the base of that cross and, and, and see the child that she bore, the child that she nursed and that she raised and heard the first words, and to see him pinned to a cross, the cross of Calvary. She'd pay a tremendous price for this sacrifice. And it's, again, this beautiful act of surrender on her part. And while we sit here uh, under the weight of it uh, this evening, we might ask ourselves, is there anything in our lives where God is calling us to do something extraordinary for Him, to take a step of faith uh, for Him? And we look at it and all we can see is what it's going to cost us uh, to uh, obey Him and, uh, and to do what it is that He wants to do with my life and to stop and pull back under the beauty of this surrender and to say, Lord, yes, I will surrender my life uh, toward your purposes through my life in human history today. And then where would we be without, without that surrender? I don't, there wasn't a plan B. There didn't need to be. God knew what would happen here. But we're thankful, so thankful for that surrender. And I, I, I'm sure that one day when we all up, end up in heaven and whatever degree of sacrifice was required, whatever surrender was required in order for us to fulfill what God had called us to be, there will be any number of people that will one day become aware that ended up being impacted by the surrender uh, that, we, that we made. And then here we have next uh, the Mar record of Mary's uh, visit to her, uh, to her close, her, her blood relative Elizabeth. Mary arose in those days and she went to the hill country uh, with haste to a city of Judah down toward Jerusalem where uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth were living. And then she entered into the house of Zacharias. She greeted Elizabeth uh, who is at six months pregnant at this point. And it happened when Elizabeth Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary 
that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So uh, un, in, under the old covenant, and this is prior to the birth of Jesus Christ, so it's certainly prior to his death, burial, and, and his resurrection, which has provided us with uh, the, the fullness of the salvation God has promised. Now all of us as Christians uh, are uh, indwelt by the Holy Spirit and can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, but under the old covenant, you were only filled with the Holy Spirit. By God, only occasionally were people in Jewish history. And that to be able to perform a specific, uh, uh, specific callings that God had upon a person's life where something extraordinary was going to be required of them. And so here, just at the voice of Mary... Uh, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. We're given an indication here that's made clear a little bit later uh, that John uh, the baptizer, you just really can't call a baby John the baptizer, can you? But he's going to become, oh, this is little John the baptizer. Let's look, it's a little cumbersome. But that's, uh, that's who he was in the womb now at the very voice of, of Mary. He is filled with the Holy Spirit. And you remember earlier in, in chapter 1 that uh, Gabriel had told Zacharias that, that he would be uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, John would, uh, from his mother's womb, and here is the fulfillment of it. And, and then uh, 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 the, uh, the response that she spoke then uh, to Mary, she said, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And so some of you, if you're like me, you have a, a little bit of Roman Catholic background, and I'm just about to head into a Hail Mary here, uh, because the words are all right there like that. But you'll notice that uh, Elizabeth said, blessed are you among women. Does not say to Mary, blessed are you over women. Uh, among women. We'll see a little bit later that uh, Mary herself will describe Jesus uh, and, uh, and his birth and, and who he is as, as her Savior. And here's the recognition that, uh, and, and it's a distortion we need to be made aware of, Roman, Catholic, Roman Catholicism, Roman Catholicism has muddied all of this related to Mary. She is not a co-redemptress. Uh, she is not to be prayed to. She would be mortified without a doubt uh, that anybody was saying those things about her. Uh, she was blessed among women, uh, but she was not above women and she was not without a, a need uh, for a Savior herself. There's no need to try and uh, go beyond the Bible in venerating her. Uh, Mary simply, uh, you, I can't, just on the basis of what's revealed to us in the Scriptures, I can't esteem Mary on the basis of that revelation any higher than I do. I can't wait to see her one day and to see here is this woman and, and young woman, Again, probably no more than 16 years old. She's been raised in the city of Nazareth, about whom even the disciples will say later on in 30, uh, 30 years, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Yes, Mary came out of Nazareth. 
And it speaks to us of the fact that no matter what environment uh, God may choose for us uh, to live in in the world, and no matter how messed up and defiled it is, it is possible to live for God in that environment. You would have thought Nazareth would be the last place that God would be able to find uh, the virgin that he would bring uh, the Messiah into the world through as he had promised to uh, Adam and Eve after their fall, and as he had promised through Isaiah. Uh, and, uh, and yet, that is precisely where uh, he found her. So, much respect towards Mary. So, what Roman Catholicism has done with Mary, we don't want there to be a backlash then against her that we don't look and, and uh, are thankful for her on a level that Elizabeth expresses her uh, her, her uh, joy uh, here. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Uh, but why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord uh, should come to me? So she recognizes that, uh, that, uh, the, that the child that Mary is calling is, is to become the Lord of, uh, of the world, and Elizabeth already describes him as such, for indeed as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ear, the babe leaped in my uh, room for joy. Now that's something, isn't it? I mean, so, okay, so John the, John the Baptist, John here, um, the, the voice of, of Mary, and he's filled with the Holy Spirit. But here we get a little further insight. Um, he experienced joy from the womb overhearing the voice of the mother of the Savior that he would be the forerunner uh, to. I, 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 again, the, the mystery and the, and the beauty of it here uh, in, in terms of uh, the, all the dynamics that are happening in, in this entire scene. Blessed, uh, Elizabeth said, is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. And so here is um, Elizabeth encouraging uh, the, Mary, that what you were told by the angel is going to come to pass. And then uh, Mary uh, begins what is known as her, uh, it, it is her song of praise uh, for uh, being uh, the, the mother of the long-awaited Messiah. And so she heads into her praise on a personal note. And, and one of the things, we won't break down every sentence of this, but uh, all of these verses here, as it goes through verse 55, at least to give us some insight into Mary, is that it's just this very uh, widespread collection of verses from uh, the Old Testament. And, and she weaves all of these things together concerning the Messiah as, as this song comes to her to sing and tells us that she was uh, uh, deeply steeped in, uh, in her knowledge of the Word. She said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Here is her recognition that she is in need of salvation as much as anyone else. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. And so she recognizes here, I'm a, and she had to be, 
just kind of an unknown nobody in, in, uh, in a relatively small town in Nazareth. And she's been picked by God for this honor. And, and, and she's humbled by it. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. And this is, and a statement like that comes from a heart that is truly humble. She is um, so humbled by God's choice of her again a beautiful picture of her heart and uh, her esteem for God and and awe at what he had planned for her life for behold henceforth all generations will call me uh, blessed and so she is uh, only one woman in human history uh, brought Jesus into human history and it was Mary for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name and then she goes on in verse 50 and begins to praise the Lord for uh, the blessing that Messiah would bring into the world uh, to the Jewish people and also to uh, all people in the world that fear God. And His mercy, God's mercy, is on those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. Uh, he has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich He has sent away empty. He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy as He spoke uh, to our fathers, to Abraham, and uh, to his seed uh, forever. And, uh, and so this praising the Lord for uh, the, the, the fact that this birth would humble the proud, it would humble the mighty, it would humble uh, the, uh, the rich. And she recognizes in all of this that this is the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. And Mary then, we're told in verse 56, remained with Elizabeth for, for three months, right up to the time now, Elizabeth's nine months at that point, and then she returned uh, to her home. And uh, the uh, birth of John the Baptist is, is given to us uh, in verse 57. And now Elizabeth's full time uh, came for her now to be delivered, and she brought forth a son. And then her neighbors and her relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her. Here she is with a child. Maybe she had kept all nine months of her pregnancy uh, a secret so, and, and tucked away without a virus. Uh, so why did I bring that up? We come to church and we finally get away from COVID-19 and I brought it up. I'm so ashamed of myself. Okay, so let's regroup right now and uh, refocus. So here she is. They don't know and now here she comes in her old age with a child and everybody is so excited. They recognize it. It's a, a mercy of God uh, upon her. And so it was on the eighth day when they came to circumcise uh, John uh, that they would have uh, called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. And so there is this on the eighth day for a Jewish boy. Uh, uh, it, it, this, all of this predated even the law of Moses. Uh, it was a, a covenant made with Abraham and his descendants with circumcision that a male child was to be circumcised 
on the eighth day. And apparently uh, a a custom of the Jews was then added to uh, the event of the child's circumcision that that would be the day that he would also be named or that his name uh, would be revealed. It's a a fascinating thing to me, and I I brought it up when when we were in that place in Leviticus, Uh, so long ago, but this circumcision that God uh, required in the law of Moses on on the eighth day, and it's very interesting in light of what we know today that they didn't know uh, back in those days. Uh, Vitamin K, which facilitates the the making and the correct function of clotting factors within uh, our bodies, uh, it is, and it's particularly responsible for the production of an element known as uh, prothrombin. And uh, if vitamin K is deficient, uh, there'll be a, a prothrombin uh, deficiency and hemorrhaging will occur uh, really in any life. And the fascinating thing is that it's not until the fifth to the seventh day uh, in a, of life in a male child uh, that vitamin K is produced in, in an adequate uh, uh, quantity for the child not to bleed out uh, as a result of, of the circumcision. Uh, uh, today, newborns in the, in the United States are routinely given uh, a shot of vitamin K uh, uh, it, 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 at birth. But in the ancient world, it would have been v- uh, dangerous to circumcise a boy before the eighth day. The fascinating thing is that, that about uh, day seven, a newborn's uh, vitamin K level uh, will rise above uh, adult levels. Uh, he will never have a higher vitamin K level in his entire life uh, than that period between seven and uh, 10 days. And it's the only time that it happens in, in, in a male's uh, life. And only God could know that to initiate a covenant with them and to know the very day that it ought to be uh, practiced. And so here they are now, they're gathered together to witness the circumcision, to hear what his name is, and they just naturally assume uh, that they're going to name the boy after his father, Zacharias. Zacharias is really, really old. And so he's got this one child, and it was very common for the Jews to name uh, the firstborn son either after the father or another prominent male within the family. So this was a no-brainer. This child is going to be named uh, Zacharias. And so they assumed that. And then uh, Mary answered, uh, knowing that this was what they were clamoring for, and she said, no, but he shall be called John. John? John, where'd you come up with John? That doesn't even sound like Zacharias. And, uh, and, and so this would have been weird for him. And, and they protested. They said to her, there's no, no one among your relatives who's called by this name. What are you calling him uh, John for? And uh, so they, they aren't quite willing to believe Elizabeth here. So they bring Zacharias, who's clearly on the scene. Uh, they begin to, uh, they want to ask him what it is that uh, the, the, name, the name of the child should really be. 
And so they made signs to uh, John's father, to Zacharias, what he would have called him. Now this is very, very cute. Uh, so they start trying to do sign language for him to try and say what he's got to, uh, w- w- what it is that he's uh, 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 going to name the child. The interesting thing is, is that uh, he's not deaf, he's dumb. He can't speak. He can hear a, a, a completely uh, with absolute clarity. So they start doing this sign language thing for him, and they asked, and he asked for a writing tablet, which was more in line with uh, his limitation at the moment. And he wrote, saying, "His name is John." And so they all marveled. And you remember earlier in the chapter, Gabriel uh, specifically told Zacharias that the child is to be named John. So. They're completely obedient in it. And immediately as he, he writes this, they marvel. His mouth was opened, his tongue was loose, and he spoke praising God. So nine months of silence, you would have, might have thought that, I mean, he had a lot of time to think about a lot of things. He said, hey, this was the most unfair thing. All I did is just ask a simple question right there in the holy place. And this is what, no, he didn't go anywhere remotely near that. Uh, he, he, just can't, he, he wants to use his ability to speak now to uh, remember he, uh, he found about, out about all of this and was smitten uh, dumb uh, before the conception, before the fulfillment of it. So he's got so much praise and worship that's uh, all uh, uh, kind of uh, built up inside of him and he begins to praise God and then fear came on all who dwelt around, around them and all these sayings were discussed throughout all the hill country of uh, Judea. So the word went out. No Twitter needed, anything like that. It was like, man, we were down there, and then here's Elizabeth and Zacharias, and they're old, and they got a boy, and you'd think Zacharias, but it, they said John. And so, uh, it, you know, information moves in any age. And all those who heard all of these things, they kept them in their hearts saying, what kind of a child will this be? Uh, and uh, I bet he'll be a handful uh, in children's ministry. And, and the hand of the Lord was with, uh, was with him, was with John. Zacharias, now his mouth has been opened and uh, he begins now uh, to prophesy and use his, his long dormant capacity of speech in its, in its highest form, and that is to praise God and declare his goodness. And now his father was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. And here he's praising God for the coming of Messiah. And he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world uh, began. And, uh, and then he begins to... Uh, talk about uh, the deliverance that the the Messiah would provide that he should uh, that we should be saved from our enemies from the hand of all who hate us 
to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, uh, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him uh, without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And then he prophesies uh, of John regarding all of this, uh, his son and you child uh, will be called the prophet uh, of the highest. And remember John the Baptist, even though he was alive during the life and the ministry of Jesus, uh, before his life was taken uh, and, and, and uh, martyred for speaking the truth to Herod. And, and uh, so he's ultimately going to be martyred. But John was the, the last of the Old Testament uh, uh, prophets. And, and so here he is, he's, he's put in, in that, uh, that category, a prophet of the highest, and for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his way. And just as John the Baptist would, he would declare to the nation of Israel uh, that the Messiah is coming, he's right behind me, repent, turn to God. That would be how he would spend his life and to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins. And so that calling uh, upon the nation of Israel to repent in preparation for uh, Jesus' coming. And through the tender mercy of God with uh, which the day spring from on high uh, has visited us to give light to those who sit in uh, darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet uh, into the way uh, of peace and uh, describing the salvation here that the Messiah would provide uh, to mankind. And so the child grew and became strong in spirit and he was in the deserts until the day of his manifestation uh, to Israel. And so uh, John the Baptist, he was of this, this priestly line, could have very well uh, been raised in the city of Jerusalem or raised, uh, 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 surrounded by, uh, gotten in line to be uh, the priest that his father was and to be a part of, of that whole um, kind of uh, structure and th that was uh, provided there and, and yet he didn't do that. His preparation was out in the Judean wilderness. It's a pretty rough uh, area of Israel, pretty um, arid, pretty barren, beautiful in its own way, but it's, it's no place for sissies. It's a real, uh, that's a place to be prepared for uh, being called to do something hard. And that's where his preparation went. And, and certainly not simply because of the hardship of the, the physical, uh, what the area was physically, but for the isolation that it would afford him to be able to be, to seek God, grow in God, and then be prepared by God for this incredible ministry that God was calling him to. We're going to stop there tonight because I don't want to put uh, a little toe uh, into chapter two. We will have Christmas in June uh, next week, and uh, we'll want to take that uh, as a whole. And so we'll ask the worship team to come forward this evening and, and uh, give us some time now to uh, worship the Lord, a little extra extended period of worship, and then uh, I'll come up and close us in prayer, and we'll, we'll dismiss.